What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays and how else are we going to start them but with Kevin Gosman, who, well, a lot of people love him. I've seen him go as high as SP number three in drafts, Strider and Cole going one and two. Um, which I think is pretty standard. You might see Burns at number three, sometimes even still. You might see Zach Wheeler. You might see uh, Pablo Lopez, some, maybe some Castillo in there. But Gosman is very much aggressively getting drafted. And yet, I can't endorse this. I just, I'm not on board. So why why am I not really in on Gosman as others are? There's a couple reasons. One, his fastball has a super high ICR and has always had a super high ICR. And you remember from 2022, he had a historically high BABIP of like 363. And we said, hey, we're smart. 124 whip. Well, it's that hipper nine is going to come down. And it did. But just a 7.9 because the BABIP was still 323. And you have to think for a moment, wait, is this just luck? It isn't. He throws two pitches. He throws a four-seamer. He throws a splitter. Sure, he throws a slider. It's just a 56% strike rate. It is not nearly as good as it needs to be, and it never will be. It's never been a thing that Gosman is good at. So this four-seamer sets up the splitter, and it's just how he does everything. He takes all the risks on his fastball to then set up a devastating splitter. And that means he's just always going to get hit hard. Over the course of the entire season, that four-seamer had a 48.5% ICR. Lefties destroy that fastball. 55% ICR and 45% for right-handers. It's remarkable. And to see the 58% strike rate on the splitter, which is expected, then, uh, yeah, you're going to have that higher walk rate than the 4% you had before, 7%. You're going to have a higher than usual hipper 9, around 8, which means your whip is not going to be below 115 it's just really, really hard to buy into that. And that's an impact. That's a thing that should worry you a bit. And considering he's allowing that many in base runners, do you really think he's going to keep that 316 ERA again? I don't. I don't think that Gosman is just going to always make that work. And I wouldn't say that the defense without Matt Chapman is going to be elite either. So I'm a little bit worried about Gosman. Obviously, of course, the strikeouts will be there. Not as much. The four-seamer had a really high put-away rate, around 25%. That was one of the highest we've ever seen from Gosman. I think that does come back down. Um, Essentially means that he was super efficient with it in two strikes. And he's good. He's going to be helpful in the ERA department. He's going to be helpful in the win department. He's going to be helpful in the strikeout department. But the whip will hurt. And I don't know how helpful he'd be in the ERA department. So... I'm thinking like a 3.6 with a 120 whip and a 27% K rate. That's good, but is that your SP5? You know, overall, like to me, no, I actually have Gosman falling down. So I could be very wrong about that. I understand NFBC says, look, like this is a workhorse and I know I'm going to get 200 strikeouts from this and double digit wins. And I get that. Um, but for me, I just, I don't think it lasts long enough to, I don't think he's going to be able to do it for another season. Um, Jose Barrios is also here and he's fine. Like, he's a worse version of Gosman because he's going to have fewer strikeouts. But honestly, ERA and whip are not going to be too different. It's a 119 last year, 365 ERA. He is a great undulator, became the great fundulator for a moment after he stopped throwing those four seamers that would just get destroyed against right-handers and instead actually did good things sitting glove side, 
um, against lefties and righties with his sinker. And he was actually able to jam right-handers for a 40% O-swing uh, back in the day, uh, which is really good. And he also really came back into that a bit more this year. And I, I just love this. It's uh, it's much better now for Barrios with his sinker than his four-seamer because his four-seamer just is not that good. The problem I have is really against left-handers. He doesn't have enough. The sinker is better than the four-seamer, but it's not much. And the curveball wasn't really getting located correctly. The changeup was getting elevated too much. As he cut back on the four-seamer, he threw more of those, and those had to do more things. So there needs to be something fixed against left-handers. But as I've mentioned before, if you're good enough against right-handers, if you are solid against them, which Brios is, the curveball was much better located down in glove side um, last year, then you are going to be above average, right? And that's good. That's cool. We can take that. So, Barrios should be fine. This is why he's a great undulator, I think. When he, when he faces too many lefties, he gets destroyed. When he faces too many righties, he's okay. And we're cool with that. So, Jose Barrios is... He's right on that border of, do I want to trust him as my SP4 or not? I'm going to say no, because I just don't really think the fastballs are amazing. And the curveball is very good, but it's not elite. He's, he's a best of Holly. Um, borderline, yeah, borderline Holly, hipster at worst, where you just don't know what to do. So it's fine. Like it's probably gonna be like a 370 array with like a 117 whip again with a, I don't know 170 strikeouts across 180 innings or something like that. That's cool. That's great in a 15 team or 12 team. Or it's not as massive of a um, impact as you want it to be. Chris Bassett's pretty much the same thing. And honestly, I think I trust Chris Bassett a little bit more in the ratio department because Bassett throws six pitches and um, Eric Smolski last time on the corner talked about how Eno Saris <laughs> says that stuff plus doesn't really matter as much when you have six pitches because you have a wider arsenal. It makes pitches perform better than they would inherently in a vacuum like stuff plus would say. So it's, it's great that he has all these pitches. His sinker is the backbone of it with a called strike rate of 27% last year. And honestly, it's going to stay there. It moves well. It uh, it moves differently than everything else. The cutter slider are combining for about 30% usage now. He has a curveball. He has a four-seamer that he just saves for two strike counts, which is really cool. It dropped to just a 10% swing strike rate last year, but we've seen that go up to 15%. In the past, it got crushed last year, 51%. So he made more mistakes with it, which isn't a shock. It's not a good shape four-seamer. It's just if he uses it right, uh, that's a surprise based on the sinker before it, right? Don't throw an ICR pitch like that you know, 30% of the time. Only throw it 9% like he did. And he also has a change of base. Sometimes floats in there to lefties as well. So all that combined allows Bassett with his massive called strike rate on that sinker. And 32% ICR, I should say. Like, guys don't know what to do with it. He's not throwing it 50, 60% of the time. He's throwing it just under 40%. So over half the time, it's not a sinker. And that's really hard to deal with as a hitter. So Bassett, he's one of those really effective kitchen sink guys. And because of that, I feel, hey, if you forgot, by the way, the 360 ERA last year, and he had like, what, nine runs in his first game? <laughs> like after that, he was just amazing. So yeah, uh, I want Chris Bassett and more than Jose Brios, and I would consider him as a solid SP4. Now, there is something to be said about there isn't a peak that of like a SP1, SP2 in Bassett, right? 
Um, it's really hard to think that he's going to have that same run after that first game for another season, that he's going to have a 25% carry, he's going to have like a 110 whip or a 3 ERA. So that essentially says, look, the it's a plateau, and you hope it's not the edge of the plateau because he's not going to another peak, and the floor is obviously not inside your top four starters, which is rough, but I don't really expect that to happen. It's going to happen at some point. I wouldn't think so this year. You might be frustrated drafting Bassett. Don't jump over everything to get him because it's not guaranteed that he is going to do 200 innings at this rate again. But I think it's safer than it is Jose Barrios. Um, SP4 is so interesting. And we're going to talk about him. They're SP5 and one of the best pitching prospects in baseball after this break. Their SP4 is Yusei Kikuchi, who had in many ways a breakout year because he axed this changeup and cutter and instead said, you know what? I'm going to turn this changeup that had a 51% strike rate against righties and use a curveball that has a 70% strike rate instead. So suddenly, Yusei Kikuchi had a 7% walk rate. That's unreal. It's about dang time. Now, he had a 9 hit per 9, and we hope that that can get better, 41% ICR. But really, in-season is where he really shifted, and that was on May 7th. So he was much better after that, closer to about a 120 whip or so after that. And the strikeout rate was actually pushing closer to 30% by the end, which was really nice. You know, we saw 77 innings and 14 starts in the middle of the season, a 269 ERA, 109 whip, and a 27% K rate. And that's really awesome. He was obviously in such a rhythm there with sliders and curveballs, getting strikes, and then four seamers being higher than before. It was a sub 40% high lock in previous years. He went up to 47%. But here's the thing. Yusei Kikuchi has one of the best VAAs in the majors, 95 plus velocity, excellent extension, and his IVB is above 15 inches. Like, it's not the 13 that I've seen from other guys. Yeah, I want it to be 16 or higher, but being at 15 doesn't mean that it's a death sentence. Like, you have this VAA in extension and velocity, that should be fine. This is the Zach Wheeler method. But the difference between Wheeler and Kikuchi is that Wheeler actually has pristine command. So Kikuchi, man, if you can go like 55 to 60% high location on four seamers, oh my gosh, this thing will absolutely demolish. I mean, he had a 12% swing strike rate this past year. We're, hit, we're talking like 15, 16% potential with this pitch. And I also imagine the ICR at 43% that it had this past year. You say Kikuchi's four seamer could be much better than that, getting it up in the zone because a low, a good VAA means that you throw it downstairs, which he did a lot, is bad for it. You don't want flat down. That makes it easier for guys to make contact on that. You want steep if it's down. You want flat up. So if you throw it flat up, you won't have that ICR. You'll have a better ICR. Oh, and meanwhile, that slider is this 18% swing strike rate for a 72% strike rate overall. Like This is a very good slider. Yusei Kikuchi has room to grow, and that should make you very excited I don't know if he's going to do it, though, because command has been the thing that has haunted him the entire year. So Kikuchi's a really fun, like, SP5, SP6 to chase. I mean, there's a big range of guys right there that are so fun to go for. I talked about, um, actually, I'm going to talk about the next one. Next podcast is going to be a Nick Pavetta. Um, I wrote about him yesterday. Didn't do the podcast on it. But I'm finding myself really in on Pavetta because of the, quote, whirly bird sweeper that he added um, middle of the season. And there's some really exciting things with him too, but Kikuchi's in that range as well. I think Kikuchi's not really being drafted 
much at all. So especially not inside like a top 150 or anything like that. So Kikuchi is absolutely a sleeper to me. Um, Alec Manoa actually is arguably one too. He's currently the SP5 for the Blue Jays. We have no idea right now what is going on. We have to assume that he is their five because there is no one else. Like the fringe is just Mitch White. There's Bowden Francis, Paulo Espino, Wes Parsons, Trevor Richards. Like these are not legitimate SP5 options for the Jays. So Manoa, please be better. And you're wondering, okay, Nick, what happened? He was so good in 2021 and 2022, and then just five six, sorry, five eight seven ERA and a one seven four WHIP in 87 innings, 14% walk rate near 10 hit per nine two major things one his slider dropped 10 points in strike rate to lefties and that was a big issue because his sinker and his four seam were just worse against lefties and he needed that slider to be a better nullifier against them so lefties destroyed him even more than they did before but really against right-handers even though he still had a near 17 percent swing strike rate on his four seamer that's a really crucial thing to me the skill is still kind of there and the sinker still can jam guys inside and the slider still can be effective against right-handers. But the four-seamer went from a 33% ICR to a 52%. He missed far more often with this. And what I actually think happened is Alec Manoa just was worse in rhythm, just did not get into a rhythm early on, got a little bit unfortunate, and it just snowballed. He went into a spiral from that, and he never got out of it. And I think... Immensely got to him a bit. There was stuff about the pitch clock that maybe got to him. He got really disrupted and was never able to get back out. I believe that Manoa could get back out, right? He could have a rebound of a season. I'm not going to bet on it. I'm not going to bank on it, but I'm not going to rule it out. And if you want to make a dart throw, dart throw pick, that's what I said. I <laughs> dart throw pick at the end of your drafts uh, on Manoa. Honestly, I think that's a good idea. And then you can drop him before the season starts if you feel like he's just not looking good at all and uh, you don't even need to start him in his first start. Maybe he doesn't even get that SP5 spot. I mean, I don't know who else is going to beat him. Uh, so pay attention to Alec Manoa. Understand how it works. Is he getting sliders for strikes against lefties? Is he keeping the four-seamer upstairs and uh, and getting his sinker inside to right-handers? Is he missing bats with the, the slider? Like a 13% swing strike rate is just not good enough on that slider. It's 24% CSW. No. He needs to get many more strikes on that slider. So we'll see. Uh, but it's not completely ruled out. I mean, to see such a dramatic cliff is not a skill-based thing, right? Um, which makes, I don't know, me a little more excited because it's not skills. It's like mentality and approach and uh, routine to really get back to it. There is one more guy, of course. And that is Ricky Tiedemann, who is going to be on all of the prospect lists of redraft arms to target and to be aware of. And I had a good discussion with Eric yesterday about it. Um, I don't really think there is a, as of now, it's January, and I am stashing this guy. I encourage you to hold on to a guy for a month. I don't think there's a single prospect right now that you should be doing that with, including Tiedemann. Because I don't think that any of these guys are surefire hits where you should be giving up that roster spot for all of April. And let me tell you, that April month is so important to have as many roster spots as possible to figure out who is hot and to get in early because there are so many guys that we just don't expect to do well who do well and are new and different and 
oh my gosh, this is a new thing. They improved themselves over the offseason, and we need to go get them now. And those guys can last the entire year. I do this. Go check the top 200 starting pitching article, and you'll see all the arms that we picked up through the year and that were good in April and early for us to jump in. And sometimes those are prospects. But some, but be ready to then get them off the wire as opposed to picking the correct one that you stash. So with Ricky Tiedemann, I'm not expecting the Jays to start him out of camp. They've been really careful with him. He barely pitched in AAA last year. And uh, he endured some injuries last year as well. Um, a shoulder injury. It's 95 mile per hour velocity as opposed to like the 99 we saw in the spring. There's a lot of reasons that it won't go well. Um, it's a very good slider. It's good VAA, which is going to make that fastball explode upstairs. It's a solid changeup as well. From the left side, it's a good situation in in Toronto, you would think, with the win chance and a decent offense. But the biggest question is, when are we going to see him and how much are we going to see him? And I don't know if he's really uh, like not a cherry bomb, essentially. I'm not sold on that. Still, the second that Ricky Tiedemann comes up, you pick him up. So pay attention to how the spring is going. If Manoa is just not an option, I, honestly, I think the Jays even would still like go with one of those other options like Paolo Espino or Trevor Richards or whatever. Um, Yariel uh, Rodriguez, they also signed, but it looks like he's going to be a reliever, so I'm not really going to mention him here. Um, but you never really know, and I wouldn't be surprised if they went and got something like Zach Davies or uh, Carlos Carrasco, something like that, just as another depth starter. Because I don't think Tiedemann's going to be that guy out of the gate. And I would not plan accordingly for that. Which means I'm not really stashing him. Which means someone is going to. And it's alright. It's okay. I don't think like Ricky Tiedemann is going to be that league winner. Because of his... I just think he's going to have more volatility than you want. Um, and you're going to be able to get many other solid arms. I mean really, if you look at the top 150 or, or the 200. You'll see that there's so many guys for so long. That are going to be on your waiver wire early. Who are going to be productive. And... Sure, they might not have the same allure of a new shiny toy like Ricky Tiedemann, but I guarantee you, you're going to find guys that are going to produce and help you through the year um, more confidently um, than stashing and hoping for the best with Ricky Tiedemann. But all right, that is it for today. Make sure you check out PitchCon. It's tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Uh, the roster is out. We've already raised $1,200, which is incredible, 12% of our goal for 10,000 to combat ALS. And hopefully we blow past it because obviously, I mean, I would love to hit that $10,000 goal, but really this is just for, for such a good cause that I hope everybody just gets encouraged to help support as much as possible. Um, but that is it for today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm looking forward to seeing you at PitchCon tomorrow. Playback.tv slash PitcherList to go chat with everybody during it. Um, you can't do it on the PitcherList site. You have to go into Playback and do it. Also, you need to have a Playback sign up um, username so that you can win uh, one of the 50 prizes that we're giving away. Um, and you do not need to donate to win a prize. So go check all that stuff out. But that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babbits below and your strikeouts high.